Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business person, or you're thinking about becoming one, this show is just for you. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. I'm a crazy entrepreneur, and I love helping other entrepreneurs. I have seen lots of mistakes over the past 30 years, and frankly, I've made plenty of them myself. So the show really has two goals. First is to share helpful information and resources for people just like you, and second, to inspire, to hopefully make your journey faster and easier and maybe just a little bit more fun. I don't know about you, but I found being an entrepreneur sometimes is lonely, confusing, discouraging. Oftentimes, I had found finding other entrepreneurs, sharing their stories of how they've worked through issues can be a source of inspiration. To help with both those goals, I have guests every week on my show who are willing to share their stories and advice. And my guest this week is Lori Dan. She is part of a group called the President's Leadership Councils, and she's going to talk about the services she and her group provide to entrepreneurs. I'll let Lori explain in just a minute, but it's really a way for entrepreneurs to find answers to their questions and also find inspiration. Lori, thanks so much for joining me this morning. It's a delight to have you on the show. Thanks, Doris. I'm delighted to be here. So PLC is a peer advisory group for small business presidents. There are the, you know, the big international ones out there like YPO, Vistage, EO, but those groups all kind of cater to a different market. We focus on the small business leader. We work with presidents, CEOs, partners, and founders who are running businesses, generally speaking, from three to 50 employees. It's a membership organization. We group each member into a forum of eight to 10 peers in non-competing industries. And they meet monthly in a strictly confidential environment, and they work through challenges and opportunities together. And what makes it powerful is that all of these people are running businesses, but they're sharing their expertise, their resources, their perspectives, and and offering their support to the other members. Just to jump in, um, yeah. I suspect one maybe misconception is that, uh, so if I'm a lawyer, what am I going to learn from a manufacturing president, you know? You would be surprised. I bet I would. So talk yes. about that. Let me share. Can I share just an interesting story? One of our members presented to the group. She has a professional services business, but the uh, software that she uses to operate that business just doesn't work the way she'd like it to. And there's nothing else on the market that huh. is any better. Interesting. So she decided she would design her own. Oh, that's bold. Right? Use it in her business as well as sell it to enterprise clients. Of course, she's never done anything like this before, right? <laughs> so she brings it to the group, and the group has never done this kind of a massive, massive project, you know, individually. But each of them had some experience with some portion of a project like that. 
And she left that meeting feeling like she knew exactly what had to happen next and and what Mm. were some things she needed to look out for and that kind of thing. So the expertise in these rooms, they're all smart people. Yeah. And they all have experience that can be beneficial. Also, the other thing, Dora, sometimes best practices in a particular industry isn't necessarily the best thing. Sometimes it makes sense. <laughs> so true. To, and and right? lawyers, by the way, are, are some of the worst at it. I, I'm right. Why sure. are they doing it that way? <laughs> so it's really, it's it's fascinating how it all comes together. Well, I want you to comment too a little bit on... Vistage and some of the other organizations, I think Vistage is probably the best known of those, maybe. I I don't know. Maybe it depends on regionally where you're from and listening. But I always thought Vistage was for small businesses like that. So talk about the niche that they fill and what they really can't do very well. Sure. So my history had been with YPO. Back in the uh, late 80s and 90s, I was running a regional employee benefits brokerage firm and participated in YPO. So that's really what I know from the inside. Vistage does have a small business offering, but it's extremely expensive. It's about $20,000 a year. Wow. And yeah, and it's not... um, It's a different model than what we're doing. Vistage has a a group chair who is a coach Mm -hmm. and they run the uh, the meetings as well as doing some coaching, but they follow a curriculum and it may not, it may not touch on the things that are important and relevant at the time for a, a particular business owner. Ah. Uh, so so are are the people just to jump in again are the people who chair these vistage groups or do they mm-hmm. buy like a vistage franchise or are they a vistage employee or how does that work they work for vistage it's not a franchise vistage was bought by a private equity firm several years ago and i and it has grown quite a lot since then. I don't know exactly how that's structured, but I know that it's not a, a franchise. Ah. So talk about your evolution. You mentioned that you worked for one of these groups in the past, but now well, you're doing this. This is your business. Yeah. Talk about that this evolution and journey. Sure. Well, I didn't work for YPO. I was a member of YPO. Ah, right. Okay. Right. And it was really fantastic. You know, uh, it was during a time when making money was pretty easy, but um, our business did really well, largely due to the the relationships we formed within YPO. And then when my boys were born, I decided I would stay home for a while. During that time, the business I was running uh, was sold twice and is now part of a large corporation. Uh, So when I got ready to come back into the workforce, I, I thought I could probably go back there in some capacity, but I wasn't sure I would conform well to that kind of corporate environment. Well, it wasn't the same company that you left. It wasn't, no. So I just, I hung my insurance shingle. I started selling benefits to small businesses. And I realized that these business owners need something like YPO or Vistage or EO more than anyone else because they don't have a team of executives on their payroll 
who have specific expertise who can help them make decisions. So they're, you know, they're great at their core business. Mm -hmm. But if I am running an IT business, I don't really know squat about HR. So or social media marketing, maybe, or, you know, exactly those things. And so they're making decisions that they are not qualified to make, or they're not making decisions because they know they're not qualified to make them. And they, so they don't do it at all. Right. Um, Right. Well, I certainly can speak to that. I mean, uh, like most human beings, we do the stuff that's fun or that we're good at and the stuff that we're not, we try to soldier on and learn about it. You know, just recently I created a new website for the radio show. It's been long overdue, but uh, it, that kind of stuff for me is just painful. You know, I, I hear you. I, I get the Udemy course and I take all the lessons and I do a little bit every day on my website, but oh, so painful. And right. it took way longer than it was supposed to. But you know what? I didn't really have the money to hire a web designer. You know, it you can go down the list, right? I mean, when you're absolutely especially starting out and cash flow is just, you know, you're living on fumes sometimes because sometimes business is booming and other times it's crickets chirping. And when it is, you're the chief cook and bottle washer, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Absolutely. And that's why we cater to that market, those folks that don't have the resources. You know, we do that in a way that isn't going to break the bank. Talk about how you got started. I mean, how did you find your first group of clients and um, Mm. how has your business evolved since you first started? Well, I launched this business midway through 2019. And like a lot of new businesses, I had to like twist some arms to get some (laughs) folks on board. And yeah, I made a huge mistake in that I was more concerned about getting butts in seats than getting the right people uh, on board. Yeah. And when it rolled around to the, you know, the first renewal, some of those people didn't renew. And I invited some of those people not to renew uh, because okay. what I learned during that first year is that these groups have to be filled with people who are growth minded. They're respectful, they allow themselves to be a little bit vulnerable, and they have some measure of humility. And if they don't check those boxes, the group just doesn't work the way it should. Yeah, so what happens? People clam up, you know, they don't want to say anything if they are going to, if they feel judged, or if they feel misunderstood. Yeah, and And then maybe you find that you've got a couple of them who are just almost like taking charge of the group because they're the ones talking all the time. Sure. And, uh, you know, I may not be great at a lot of things, but I am a, I'm a good moderator. And so I can keep people in check pretty easily. Uh, so that's not really been a problem for okay. us. But also I want to point out that this is not the Lori Dan show. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not about, me telling everybody what I know and telling them what they need to be doing. There's so much talent in these rooms. I just have to get them talking. Uh-huh. And if it's a subject that I happen to have some expertise in, I'll share it. But that's not usually even necessary. 
it's pretty incredible, really. I love it. So when people pay a fee, it's not so much that they're getting access to a curriculum, but you facilitate the meetings and the group membership to make sure that there's a balance and that people, I don't know, maybe there's an accountability piece to this too, I'm I'm guessing? There is, and the members really hold each other accountable. They form these deep relationships and... Um, They want to see each other be successful. The way that the meetings run is that we start with updates. What's been going on the last 30 days? What are your challenges? What are your opportunities? We talk about some of the topics that came up last month. Where are those at this juncture? I reach out to members each month and and try to catch up and, and see if there are topics they specifically want on the agenda. But normally, topics come out of those updates. Mm-hmm. And I usually bring a topic as well, just in case everything's so fantastic for everybody that <laughs> they have nothing to talk about. We don't usually get to it. And then we we decide from those updates, what, what direction do we need to go? What are the things we really need to talk about today? And we dig deeper into those subjects. I'm guessing that moderation is a key part of it. You may be being a little modest. And the reason I say that is because I've never belonged to one of the kinds of organizations you're talking about, but I have been part of a couple of mastermind groups. Uh, And I would call those sort of peer groups without facilitation. And both of them ended up falling apart because there just wasn't and accountability. And it just didn't seem like it was getting any of us off the dime on our key issues. So how do you get past that? Well, do you ever take an assessment to determine where your strengths are, what kind of career you should be in? My last assessment that I took, the number one job for me is a moderator. So (laughs) I think there's, it's just, it's an innate ability um, yeah. But, you know, I also get to know these people really well. And if they're not jumping in, I encourage them to do that. And I kind of steer the conversation. You know, I've been in business a long, long time. I don't certainly don't know everything. And I'm not an expert on many, many, many things. But I do kind of understand the what it takes to find resolution or to find a solution and I can I can steer those conversations in a way that that happens. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes what we're good at vis-a-vis other people is not necessarily what we're good at when it comes to self-governance, you know? I'm just thinking of me, and I enjoy facilitation a lot, too, which is, I think, one of the reasons I do this show and enjoy it tremendously. But when it comes to zeroing in on myself, sometimes mm, I have more of a blind side, I would say. And I, I'm probably not that unique, you know? Absolutely not. One of the main reasons people join a peer group is because the isolation that they yeah. feel in their roles. Yeah. It's lonely at the top. You know, they may not have a spouse that is running a business. Their spouse might have more of a corporate kind of job, or they may not have family members or friends that are running businesses. They right. can't talk to their employees about some things, and they have a blind spot. 
right? Sadly, we can only see things from our own perspective initially, right? Yeah. Uh, any new idea, we only see it the way we see it. Right. And to be able to be in a room with people who can say, well, you know, have you thought about that? It just, it really is, um, it's it's life-changing. Lori, what do you think has drawn you to the facilitating or mentoring piece of it? I, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't describe your role as mentoring, or maybe you would. What do you think? You know, it's so funny because my members are so generous with their compliments and they say things, you know, say things about my guidance or my tutelage. And that I don't think is really what's happening. Um, I'm helping them. I'm helping them to, you know, get to the bottom of things, but it's not me with all the answers. I, I certainly appreciate those comments, but what do you think is drawing you to oh, moderation well, or facilitation mm-hmm. or guided mentoring? I don't know what you want to call it, but obviously it's a skill. And what do you think has prepared you for that and drawn you to it? Well, I'm a nurturer from the start. I loved the time I spent in YPO and learned so much during that time. During that, you know, I was also um, certified as a moderator with them at the time. I did not even and, know you could be certified as a moderator. Yeah, what an interesting yeah, idea. A few tools, but I I'm not I'm not a nightclub kind of girl, like big crowds and loud noise and that kind of thing. But I love small groups and really getting to know people. So it's just fun for me, really. You must be also good at finding clients or people who are parts of these groups. So how do you typically find these people? Yeah, most of it is referrals or introductions. I do a lot of outreach. I use LinkedIn and do a lot of personal outreach, emails and phone calls. Oftentimes, prospective members don't really understand what we do. They haven't heard of those other groups Mm -hmm. or, and they'll say, well, I'm already in a lot of networking groups and we are not a networking group. There's never a give your pitch, pass your card kind of situation. You're never required to give referrals. They get made and business flows, but that's not why we're there. And when you're networking, Doris, you have to be on, right? Everything Uh is great. My business is phenomenal. I've got so much business. I don't know what to do with it. Right. But that's not the reality. So a peer group is where you can go and say, "Uh uh-oh, I think I messed up. Mm -hmm. Or I've got this great opportunity and I don't really have a handle on what the best way to approach it would be. So we're very, very different than a networking group. How do you break through the tendency to basically make it all sound like sunshine and rainbows and unicorns? It takes a little while, but it's kind of a a snowball effect. When one person in the group decides to lay it on, then everybody else kind of follows suit. Mm -hmm. And once, you know, once we go through the process a few times, they start feeling like, oh, wow, you know, it's safe here. Nobody's judging me. And I'm getting answers. And that's why we don't have visitors come and sit in these small groups because 
it just it's disruptive. You know, these people get really, really, really close. And that's what makes them comfortable to talk about whatever they need to talk about. Well, so how do you sort through that, though, before the meeting starts? I mean, you've got to have a pretty good antenna by this time of sensing who people are mm-hmm. before they even come into the group. I'm sure there'll be some where you're like, I, I could have sworn this would be a great fit, but it just wasn't. But my guess is you've got a pretty good sense before they go in, even that they're going to be a good fit. Well, Doris, you know, if they have those four qualities that I talked about earlier, I, I'm pretty confident that they'll be a good fit. Most people get along with other people. It hasn't really been a problem. I've had I've had one person want to move groups because of a uh, personality thing. And initially I thought that I could manage that, but you know, it's, it's interesting the people that really connect with others. Sometimes it's so surprising to me. (laughs) There is, I think a commonality about the kind of people who want to start and run their own business. That's a pretty, unique sort of breed of human being to begin with. Do you agree? Absolutely. And these people, they have such a growth mindset. You know, they're they're creative people and they're interested people. I would love a story or two. You mentioned one early in the show, but I'm sure there are others of how being part of one of these peer groups has helped one or more of the members along the way. Sure. We've had conversations. We had a really robust conversation about imposter syndrome not too long ago. And keep in mind, this is a room full of people who are running successful businesses. And this isn't all women, right? Because when you hear imposter syndrome, everybody thinks, oh, women have self-confidence issues, right? That's correct. And and interestingly, it was a woman who brought it up. Her education is in science. So here she is running a business and feeling this imposter syndrome going on. And we talked about it and every single one of those business owners felt this. And we had the most really? interesting conversation about how that is, why that is. And it was so heartwarming to see the kind of support they were each giving each other. And, you know, I mean, will they ever feel that again? Probably. But it was so great for them to know that, oh, okay, everybody else has got this going on too. You know, there's an organization out there that has this, well, there's several organizations that have entrepreneurial mindset or entrepreneurial readiness or whatever, talking Mm -hmm. about the kind of people who make good fits for entrepreneurs. It it almost makes you wonder, doesn't it, that maybe the people who are driven to start and run a business and grow a business have a little bit of this imposter syndrome and that's what fuels them from the very beginning. I I don't know if that's, I, I have no idea whether there's any empirical evidence to back that up, but it does kind of make you wonder, doesn't it? Well, you know, that's interesting. And I, I think that that makes so much sense, but even situations where we have a member who was in uh, corporate retirement plans, his entire career 
Uh, he's a adjunct professor at Northwestern teaching what his business is. And um, he left his corporate job, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago now, and started his own firm. And even knowing how those businesses run inside and out, he still feels that way. So, um, yeah, and I guess when you start something that's new to you, I can certainly see why that would be the case, like our scientist who's now the president of a business. Well, and you know, it's almost like as entrepreneurs, we sort of embrace the fact that we don't know stuff. I mean, you have to be comfortable. In fact, you know, I was a score mentor for a while and I got frustrated with a lot of beginning entrepreneurs who just couldn't get past the noodling phase or couldn't get past the fact that they needed to understand everything before they move forward. And I I kept trying to explain to them, look, it isn't like that. You just have to decide this is what you want to do. And you do some basic work and you go for it. You start to realize that people who are entrepreneurs are in general, very comfortable with not knowing stuff. So they, they go in knowing there's going to be a lot of stuff where they're just treading water and they're okay with that. I think that's pretty, that's a pretty unique pretty unique human being you know it basically says i'm not gonna know this and i might not figure it out but i'm still gonna go for it you know that's a great observation i think that's so true and we don't have to be able to see to the finish line all we have to do is see a little ways in front of us right and just keep keep trudging along right talk about your own business what's been for you, the hardest part about owning and running your own business? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like everybody, the isolation. I can only see what I see. Interestingly, I don't share my personal business stuff in our forum meetings because I'm I'm not a paying customer. <laughs> so <laughs> I still learn a ton but that's not why we're there to talk about me. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I need to, you know, I needed to find some of that kind of a community for myself. And you, I I don't always know the right decision to make. For example, um, marketing really befuddles me uh, (laughs) because. (laughs) Well, I think we've all as small business people spent a lot of money on marketing that just kind of went nowhere. Right. So I I really, I really want someone to tell me this is the return you're going to get on your investment and marketing people can't do that. No. So, you know, that kind of thing has been really challenging for me. Yeah, I can relate to that. Talk about the best parts, though. You've been at this for a while and your business is growing. So there must be parts of it that you just really love. Talk about that. I get to do what I love. I get to sit in a room with a bunch of smart people and really, really, really get to know them and share information and and be helpful. It just really fills me up. Yeah. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're a problem solver too. And seeing helping people solve their problems is probably very gratifying. It really is. It it just really makes me happy. 
Now I currently run four groups. If I was running 20 and had somebody else doing all of the administrative stuff, I'd really be a happy camper. Yeah. So how do you get to that point? Well, I have initiated some marketing things this year. So I'm I'm hoping that that will help. But I, I just, Doris, I think this is a business that's going to have to grow a little bit slowly because we really need to bring in the right kind of people. It's painful to turn somebody away, but um, it's what has to happen sometimes. Yeah. Well, I can certainly relate. I mean, if I look at this radio show as a business, I don't know if I, if it's a business or it's a hobby or it's a way of giving back. But in any case, people probably have no idea how much routine and admin stuff goes into producing every show and creating podcasts of it and doing a little marketing and, you know, organizing guests and preparing for all that. And I, like you, would love nothing more than to find an administrative assistant, but um, it's, um, you know, you have to really think about that carefully when it's a very people, high touch kind of business, mm-hmm. you know, um, right. you don't want to lose that, right? Absolutely. I can Absolutely. totally relate. What kind of business people do you think should Seriously, think about joining a peer mentoring group like PLC. All of them. All of them. All of them. Really? All of them. Why? We can all do better. We can all grow and learn from other people. True. How do people find the right fit? I mean, your Mm -hmm. group may not be the right fit for every entrepreneur or small business person. It may not be. and, And that's fine. There are peer groups like ours. There are mastermind groups that um, typically there's a leader and that person is is more of a coach. Mm. There are industry associations, you know, are a great fit for a lot of folks, um, especially, oh, like a human resources association where you have HR people and benefits people and where they can they can really collaborate. Mm-hmm. And then there are networking groups. You know, so there are all kinds of different ways to find community and to help your business grow. I'm happy to kind of talk people through what might be best for them if they're interested. It's not always us. Yeah. And um, you know, people need to find what really works for them. Any tips for finding what works? I mean, I think it can be a little frustrating because you can, mm-hmm. you know, go to meetup groups or networking groups and go, oh, I didn't get much out of that. Now what? Right. They're right. all poopy. <laughs> I'm giving up, you know, I don't know. I can't <laughs> hear that from some of my entrepreneur friends. That's true. And for example, BNI, Business Networking International, it's a great group for a certain kind of business. Uh, promotions, mortgage bankers, real estate folks, uh, the postal kinds of stores. They do really, really well in that kind of a group. A lot of business flows between them. Hmm. If you're a business owner, probably you, you have to be careful about the networking groups because you have to go where the decision makers are, right? right? And that's not always the case. 
I've found that a salesperson will never refer up the president of the company. Uh, Uh, So it doesn't make sense to go where there's a bunch of salespeople. Right. If you're a business owner, right? So it's really, you got to really kind of vet the organization and who are the members, who shows up to the events, how are they structured? Yeah. And I think whether there's an entrance fee to even test the waters. And I think that's the one of the hard parts. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people go to meetup groups is there usually isn't much of a barrier to right. entry. But some of them, you know, they they want a pretty hefty fee just to kind of even test the waters. And that may not be the right fit for everybody. It may not be. It may not be in the budget for everybody. Right. I think people really need to think, what do I want to get out of it? If I want, if I'm looking for deals, if I, uh, you know, if it's a transactional thing, Mm -hmm. then I want to probably show up to a networking kind of situation. There are lots of good ones out there. BNI, I mentioned in this area, there's Women Belong, there's Inner Circle, and they're all great organizations. There's NABO, which is a national, National Association of Women Business Owners, I think it's called. So there are lots and lots of options. Um, but I think the first step is to really think about what is it you want to get out of it. Yeah. Well, and I'll make a little pitch to a couple of my past guests on the show. If people want to go back and take a listen, I had uh, Jill Saltzman, who who is the founder of Founding Moms, for those of you entrepreneurs out there who are moms and dealing with juggling mom issues and family issues with business. And uh, Heather Wendler, who created this group up in Wisconsin called the Doyen Group for Women Entrepreneurs. So if people are interested, go back and take a listen. Those are both pretty interesting interviews, I think. Oh, I will. Yeah, they're both very interesting women and things that have worked and things that haven't. They're both pretty candid about it. And uh, Jill in particular is just one of the funniest human beings I've I've met. She's a laugh. Oh. And you could subscribe to her newsletter, which is always entertaining and full of little nuggets of information. She is, she is a very right out there, open and honest, uh, raw person, if you will. And it's probably not everybody's thing, but for the right people, could be a good fit. So take a listen. Lori, You have seen now through your participation in groups, but also now leading a number of groups through PLC and talk to probably countless other small business people and they listen to them talk about their issues. What in your experience are some of the most common mistakes you've seen? Hmm. I think trying to do it all, all alone. And also not having a balanced plan with reasonable goals, covering all of the areas of a business, operations, marketing, sales, and finance. Talk about that second one. What should people do or what have you seen and what do you think people should do instead? You know, there's a lot of flying by the seat of your pants. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. A lot of small business ha- businesses have no standard operating procedures. And when they start to grow and hire employees, um, 
it's it's hard to build a great team if nobody knows what they're supposed to be doing or how they're supposed to be doing it. Right. Uh, so so that's a, operations is a place where where entrepreneurs often fail to keep up with the rest of the business. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, they're focused on providing their product or service and making sales. Um, maybe they're doing some marketing, but they're not really paying attention to cash flow. And I think you mentioned it earlier, you know, then they're they're riding high for a couple of months and all of a sudden, you know, there's no income. <laughs> right. So, um you know, I think all of those things are are areas that need to be looked at and planned for yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. You talk about scaling. Uh, one of my recent guests on the show was a guy named Jeff Galos. He his company is called On Purpose Growth, and we talk in the show about uh, some of the issues with scaling, and he touches on. Uh, exactly what you what you mentioned, as well as the problem that, um, in his view, I think is pretty common, which is sometimes the entrepreneur gets into the the sales piece of it or whatever they're really good at, and they don't want to let go of it. And um, you know that how that gets in the way of scaling. And uh, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of societal pressure to say, oh, I I want to scale this business, you know, uh, like somehow going IPO is, is the measure of success. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, I think a lot of, you know, and, and, and you'll hear people talk about, oh, well, that's just a lifestyle business as though that's something less than uh, a business that's, you know, growing like mm -hmm. a hockey stick and, and, you know, heading for IPO. Yeah. When the reality is, I think a lot of uh, a lot of small business people that I've met and talked to, honestly, what they really want is a lifestyle business. They that sure. that is what makes them happy is being Absolutely. in business and being part mm -hmm. of you know pressing the flesh with some of their key customers and suppliers. Yeah, yeah, those are the folks we work with, um, and I I think that. That in itself is a wonderful measure of, of success to, you know, um, build a business that is sustainable, create a few jobs, yep. um, do what you love. Right. And, you know, that that is success. Not everything has to, you know, grow into something enormous. Right. 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 And I think it's really important for entrepreneurs to be really honest with themselves about what what motivates them to get up every day and grow their business. Um, not just what somebody you read should be your reason or what people tell you. Um, you know, you have to really know yourself and what what you love about the business and what you're good at and what you're not and how to find people who complement your skills, not necessarily give you an echo chamber. Exactly. Exactly. I, I could not agree with that more. Um, and most entrepreneurs, I mean, most entrepreneurs are more passionate about their product than, than their employees are. 
Um, and they're usually pretty great at sales because they were the one making them in the beginning. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, a lot of times these folks aren't so great at the administration or the detail or the follow-up. Right. Um, and they have to recognize where their strengths are and and hire people who have, the you know, have strengths where their weaknesses are so that they can kind of fill in the gap there. And yeah. it's, you know, trying to do something that you're not good at and that you don't enjoy is is really labor intensive. That's a very interesting observation. The the costs are um obviously opportunity costs of doing more of what you're really good at and what the business uh you know will benefit from. And uh but there's also the the kind of the emotional cost of oh uh, you beat yourself up because yet another day went by where you didn't get that website updated or, you know, you didn't post mm -hmm. on LinkedIn right. and uh, it goes kind of, kind of, kind of as a drag. Honestly. Yeah, it can be. And, you know, I think we need to be kind to ourselves. Being an entrepreneur is a lot of work. And I think most of us go into it knowing that, but sometimes you just got to give yourself a break and recharge. Yeah. That is phenomenal advice, Lori. If people are interested in learning more about PLC, or maybe they just want to know about different options for peer mentoring and and um, peer facilitation groups and the options that are out there, what's the best way for them to learn more and to get in touch with you? Sure. They can go to our website, which is myplc.co. Or they can email me directly at ldan, L-D-A-N-N, -N, at myplc.co. And I'm happy to walk them through it. Fantastic. And I noticed um, that uh, I, you know, I'm on your email list now, and I noticed you do have events sometimes. Um, is that something you would encourage people to attend? How, well, talk about that just for a minute for folks. Sure. We um, uh, we invite, uh, well, members obviously are invited to all of our events, and then we invite other um, small business presidents to those events as well. They're not open to the public. Okay. Um, but um, if you are a small business owner or a president or CEO of a small business and um, would like to learn more about those events, I can I can fill you in on that as well. Yeah, fantastic. Well, hopefully that's what most of the people listening in are I, exactly that. So I hope there's some folks out there that take you up on that. Lori, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been a delight having you on the show and learning more about peer mentoring and peer facilitation groups. Thanks, Doris. I had a great time. And thanks to all my listeners. You are the reason I do this show. If you have comments or questions or would like to be a guest on the show, you know, great guests, or you just want to shoot the breeze, by all means, reach out to me. My door is always open. Email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. I promise you'll always get an answer back from me. You can check out my website, my old website, globalocityservices.com, but 
Now I have a dedicated radio show website called thesavvyentrepreneur.org. You can find there all sorts of past episodes of the show, along with some blogs and tools and other free resources. So check it out. Be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.